The text of the message this morning is Zechariah chapter 5, verses 5 to 11. Remembering that all these visions were given to Zechariah in the same night. They're all closely connected. As you're looking it up, you can see the titles of the different visions and be reminded again of what he has seen. A vision of horsemen, horns and craftsmen. A man with a measuring line. Joshua with his clean clothes. A golden lampstand. And last time a flying scroll. And then Zechariah 5, verses 5 to 11. Hear the word of the Lord. And the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, Lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. <clears throat> and I said, what is it? He said, this is the basket that is going out. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they taking the basket? He said to me, to the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, imagine if there were huge screens, huge jumbotrons in the front of the church and at your Christian schools that published all the major sins in your life. That's what the vision of the flying scroll was like for the people who had returned from exile in Babylon. As it listed the sins of stealing and swearing falsely that were common among God's church in those days, the Lord revealed to us that he, he sees those sins. He knows about the unique sins that you are struggling with in your life. In the vision of our text today, all those sins in our lives are compared to a woman named Wickedness, who was dwelling in the Holy Land even after the people had repented from the sins that had caused the Lord to send them into exile. It's like that woman is a collection of all the sins that you hate and that you confess that you don't like in your life. Those things that continue to tempt you and to endanger your life as long as they stick around. In his vision to Zechariah, the Lord promises then that he will take that woman, he will take that danger, he will take that wickedness and he will remove it from the Holy Land. He removes it from the Holy Land to prepare that land for his dwelling, for his temple. It was a way of preparing the land for his coming. And he also removes it from our hearts and our homes as he continues to prepare his dwelling among us. 
It's a beautiful comfort for those who love the Lord. And the angel's voice also echoes in our ears as he calls us today to lift up our eyes, please, and see the vision of how the Lord purifies his church, what he does with all that wickedness. I preach you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme as the Spirit calls everyone listening to to lift up our eyes to behold the Lord removes wickedness in an airborne basket. We'll see that he slams the lid on wickedness in our homes. He shuttles wickedness away to her home and he sanctifies the church to be his home. Well, as we lift our eyes and as we stare over Zechariah's shoulders to see the vision that God revealed to him, we hear the angel explaining to Zechariah that, that, that this that is going out is a basket. The word that the angel used is the word ephah, which indicates that the basket was a kind that was used as a dry measure for about 35 liters of an, 35 liters, which is an ephah. So you can imagine the size of this basket is a well-known measure, about nine four-liter milk jugs, 48 centimeters, 39 centimeters, 31 centimeters, a regular tote in our own homes. And such a basket was a very common household item. And it was important for, and it was used for transporting and for measuring out the correct amount of grain for trading. And so people would bring a basket like was seen in this vision to the market with them uh, when they bought grain. Or they would use such a basket when their sacrifices at the temple required that the gift be that of an ephah of fine flour for the Lord. Well, the angel went on to explain that with this, we have this picture of the basket in our, in our minds. The angel went on to explain that this basket is their iniquity or their eyes, if you see in the footnote. It was their iniquity in, in all the land. For God's people had become increasingly materialistic. And they were looking at everything they saw with, with greedy eyes already in terms of measuring profit. That is exactly what the flying scroll had revealed when it exposed how the people in Zechariah's days were stealing and swearing falsely. The picture of the measuring basket would, would remind them of the sins of using false weights and measures or skimping on their gifts to the Lord. And what did they have to show for their treachery and their greed? Did Zechariah see a basket that was overflowing with grain and, and riches? Children, do you remember what he saw inside the basket? It wasn't grain, was it? No, as Zechariah looked at the basket, as he saw the lid slowly being pushed up, he saw a woman. He saw a woman sitting in the basket. And as Zechariah's perspective adjusts to scale, he hears the angel tell him that the woman is wickedness. According 
to the curse that God promised for disobedience in Deuteronomy 28, the harvest of their greedy hearts wasn't grain, but it was wickedness that was represented by a woman who was sitting there right there in their very own homes. We don't understand exactly why God chose to represent wickedness as a woman, but it probably has to do with the fact that the original languages had masculine and feminine nouns, just like the French language. You have to learn whether the, the noun starts with a le or a la. Well, since most nouns that represented abstract ideas, ideas like folly or wisdom, they, most of these nouns used a feminine form, it isn't surprising that in the figurative language of poetry and proverbs and visions, the concept of wickedness, an abstract idea, is also presented with a woman. And as we go on and think about this and compare with other texts in Scripture, we see that, that there is even more behind this as well. It becomes very clear that the woman named wickedness in this vision is not meant to represent all the women in the world that God made, created in His image, as if women are more wicked than men. But it's very clear that this woman is meant to be the embodiment of the sins of greed, of treachery, of unfaithfulness. In the context of Scripture where God often compares the sin of idolatry to the sin of adultery, this woman, wickedness, who is not their wife, would have reminded them of their own struggles with breaking vows, or perhaps even turning to the Babylonian goddess who was called the Queen of Heaven and turning to her for their daily needs. The woman in this vision reminds us also of Revelation, where once again the wickedness of a godless, materialistic culture is symbolized and embodied in a woman who rides on many waters of praise from the nations of the earth in their war against the Lord and His church. And when we understand what kinds of power and evil and danger this woman in the vision represents, then we see that the most pressing concern for us is not whether wickedness is represented by a woman or a man, but how it could be that she is so close to God's holy people. Everything was not as it appeared from the outside. And that dangerous woman, given the name wickedness, was restlessly seeking to break out from under that cover made of lead. The woman makes it clear that, or, or the Lord makes it clear of that struggle that we continue to face that he already mentioned in Genesis 4, that, that sin is crouching by the door and it, is, it, is, and it wants to pounce on you. Wickedness wants to get out and it sees the church as prey. The harvest of greed is, is very dangerous. And all the sins that the flying scroll cursed and exposed and gathered together are a serious threat to God's people. And she is dangerous not only because of the depth of evil she represents, 
but also because she is infiltrating into the very homes of the believers. The Lord shows His people how wickedness enters into the homes in a basket like a soldier in a Trojan horse and threatens to deconstruct the antithesis, to profane the Holy Land where God was promising to dwell among His church. And she is also dangerous because her desires, uh, her desires are, are very strong. And the obstacles she must face can be compared to a lid that is made of lid, a lid that is made of lead that presents some resistance, but it's not something that's insurmountable for wickedness. In this vision, the Lord makes it clear that it is possible for wickedness even to infiltrate the homes of covenant believers who know better. Perhaps as we think about how wickedness infiltrates our hearts and our homes and our lives, we can come up with, with quite a list. I, won't, I don't intend to exhaust that, that thought. It's something we, we think about. The question is, how is wickedness infiltrating our homes? Is it through the internet? Is it through the movies we're watching? Is it through a friendship with, with unbelievers? Or is it through universities or information that shapes our way of seeing the world? And in our struggles against temptations, every one of us knows how often she is, she is peeking her head up from, from under the lid. And she's gesturing to us with her, her hand She's promising a, a better life of happiness. And she's seeking to draw us into to her clutches. The picture of the, the vision is very real for us. We know what is happening. We could see that the danger is also something we face in our lives. And we praise God then to see that in this promise, in this vision, He promises to intervene. He shows us how the angel slams the lid on wickedness as she seeks to enter our hearts and homes. And the words that are used to describe the angel's reactions are not the, not the words of a, a gentle rebuke. Now, now, go away. We read, he thrusts wickedness back into the basket. We can imagine the vision that Zechariah saw. The lid lifts a little we could see wickedness eyeing the victims around her as prey, her little fingers reaching out, and then boom, the lid is slammed upon her. There is no listening. There is no bargaining. There is no trying and testing. But the angel reacts quickly and forcefully to stop the advance of wickedness in the church immediately in her tracks. And so he teaches us how we should react. And so that we do not think that these harmless temptations are, are just unconnected and an individual floating little uh, innocent white sins, the Lord shows Zechariah in his vision that these sins, this wickedness, is directly connected with the wrath of God on the final day of judgment. When wickedness tempts you, you must remember the second part of the vision where wickedness is taken away to her own home. And right from the beginning, 
the angel made it clear, and you can see that already in verse 5, that this is a basket that is going out. It's a basket, you can compare it to, to a cage that's holding a dangerous, angry, biting bear that is, is waiting on the helipad to finally be removed from the beleaguered town. And with the cover thrust down by the angel and the woman underneath seething and thumping and trying to get out from underneath the heavy lid, the transportation could not arrive soon enough. And when we read the description of these package delivery workers and imagine we were in Zechariah's place, it would seem that we might have some questions about who these two women were. They had wings like the wings of a stork. And although storks were unclean animals, they were also animals that were known for caring for their young with loyalty and faithfulness and, and tenderness. Were they unclean servants of the beast who were now gently saving the woman wickedness from destruction before her time? Or perhaps were they stork mothers of Israel removing the garbage from their nest in the Holy Land. Whatever they were trying to do, whoever they were trying to serve, Zechariah could clearly see that they were being driven by the Lord's will. The Lord was using them. The wind, it's possible to even translate the Spirit, the wind in their wings that would determine their course was from the Lord. And the basket, the fact that the basket was suspended between heaven and earth showed that this was a cursed basket. And so we see the picture, we see the, the basket being taken away. We imagine some of the questions we would ask, and we hope Zechariah might ask them. But then we see, look what Zechariah asks. He could have asked many things about the two women with the stork wings. But understanding that God's plan that guided them was more important than anything else, he just asks, where are they taking the basket? Above all else, and of first importance, Zechariah wants to know what happens to the basket. And think about it, before I ask the names and the hobbies of the conservation officers who, who come to remove the dangerous bear from my yard, I'm going to want to be sure that they will bring it far enough away so that it can't come back. I ask them, where are you bringing this bear? Don't just put it next door. Where are you bringing this dangerous beast? Where is God bringing this woman named wickedness? And the angel tells Zechariah to the land of Shinar to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. Verse 11. Well, Shinar is a region in southern Mesopotamia that has stood for centuries as the center for self-made strength and rebellion against God. Shinar was the home of Nimrod, the mighty hunter and the kingdom builder. Shinar was the place where the Tower of Babel was built. In the time of the prophets, Shinar was identified with its most prominent city of Babylonia and was condemned for its ongoing proud opposition against God, 
for its cruel oppression of other nations, its extravagant living and its pomp. You can read about that in Isaiah 13 and 14 to get an idea of what Shinar, what Babylon stood for. It was clear to Zechariah that the woman wickedness would feel right at home in Shinar. Although Babylonia doesn't exist today as the center of opposition to the Lord and His church, we do read about Babylon again in the vision of the ascended Lord to His church through John. Today, the names of Shinar and Babylon stand for all those places where demons and spirits and unclean creatures dwell. You read about that in Revelation 18, verse 2. It's a place that stands for all those who stand in rebellion against God, for all those who have embraced the earth's abominations. You could say everywhere where earth's abominations are embraced is a Shinar. It's a, it's a, it's a Babylon. And as we read about the woman in Revelation 17 and 18, it's like seeing what happened to the woman in the basket in Zechariah's vision after she was brought back to her home in Shinar. Look at how respected, look at how great she had become in, in all the earth. Look at how many kings and merchants belong to her rebellious kingdom. See her riches. See her luxurious life. Her purple garments. Her immorality. Her gold jewels and pearls. Although the, the woman wickedness is, is shuttled away from the Holy Land, she is not shuttled away to some prison and isolation. She recognizes herself, and you can see it in the end of Revelation 17, as, as the queen of the peoples and the multitudes and the nations and the languages, having dominion over the kings of the earth. And she is drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. If you are a Christian, you don't want the woman wickedness in your homes. But you also will never feel safe and comfortable in her home of money and materialism and sexual immorality and love of power and tyranny that she heaps up to heaven like a tower of rebellion. Shinar, or Babylon, represents all the rulers and the nations who are ultimately gathering in war against the Lord and His church. And the Lord warns His people that her offers of joy lead to death, that her house is full of those who will be punished on the great day of the Lord. And that's why the Lord calls His people to, to come out of her, to come out of her home. So you don't have to also suffer when she's burned up with that fire we read of in Revelation 18. And we see, again, the danger of allowing wickedness to enter into our hearts. 
She seeks to try bring us under her dominion. The text is so clear. Slam the lid on wickedness. Let her be shuttled out of your life to her home without any tears and keep in step with the Spirit who dwells in the hearts of everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and sanctifies them in the truth. The Lord was revealing something very important to the people of God through this vision. It not only served to parallel the Zechariah 3 promise of the forgiveness of the high priest and the people, but it also revealed that the Lord intended to purify the holy land of all idolatry, just as he had promised in Deuteronomy. As he had shown with the second goat on the great day of atonement, which was removed from the people, which was sent out into the wilderness with all the confessed sins on its head, the Lord confirms what we sing in Psalm 103, that he would remove the sins of the people as far as the east is from the west. The Lord would do this mighty work. And with this revelation, the Lord is making it clear that He was preparing the promised land for His coming, for His dwelling among them. When God comes to dwell among His people, the sins of the church must be atoned for. And the wickedness of those who continue in rebellion must be removed. The vision of Zechariah reveals to us exactly what God did in the church through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. You think about it, before our Lord Jesus came, there was a herald who came first. A herald who prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. John the Baptist. He told them very clearly, get removed, get rid of all that wickedness in your hearts. Prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Of your Savior. And the Lord did make his dwelling among his people and his Son, Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus then entered into this world that was still stained with sin. He he ministered to a church that was still filled with self righteous pride and cruelty. He showed the fulfillment of God's promise to purify the Holy Land where his name dwells when, when he purified the temple. You remember that? He he drove out the merchants and traders so closely associated with, with Babylon. And he restored the temple as a place of prayer, a place of fellowship, a place of communion. And in this way, our Lord Jesus showed us how he came to make the promise of Zechariah's vision a reality in our lives. He himself would bear the wrath of God against the sins that we committed, that that wrath that we read about in Revelation 18 that is directed to all the enemies of the Lord so that we would not have to be carried away with that woman wickedness to the place of punishment. His own body, the temple, was purified with the fire of God's judgment so that all who believe in Him might live on purified and and holy ground. And when the Lord Jesus purified the temple of all the influences of wickedness, He also revealed what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts, is doing in our hearts now through His Word as He guides us. 
And just as the Lord rescued the faithful remnant of Israel from their bondage of slavery and exile, so the Lord has also rescued us here today from the dominion of sin and death. And once He has set us apart from the world and and grafted us into the body of Christ, His Spirit dwells in us as His temple. Because you have been saved, God is dwelling in you. He is sanctifying your hearts and lives in an ongoing process. We see that, that constant removal of that wickedness. The lid is slammed and she is sent away out of your hearts and out of your homes. He helps you to see that there are no so-called harmless sins. And He gives you the courage to let go of the goat bearing all those confessed sins and to free ourselves from from all that sin that that entangles and, and that wickedness that is destined for damnation so you can seek God and His grace. He brings you to your knees in confession and repentance before His throne as you realize your own weakness, your own dependence on His power to help you slam the lid on temptations of sin. And so it's so clear, brothers and sisters, just something you could tell yourself every time you you feel the temptation. You have that vision, that picture. Slam the lid on that wickedness so that your heart does not desire what she is offering. And and then set it out on on the edge of, of your driveway like a garbage can on the road ready to be taken away. As this is true in your hearts, it's also true in our congregation. That's why the Lord Jesus taught us to exhort one another. You're thinking here of of mutual discipline. He taught us to root out the sin that, that starts to spring up among us. To exhort those who, who waltz into our lives with the woman wickedness on their arms so that they are not condemned with her. To purify the church by letting every person know that wickedness and loving wickedness just leads to death. And brothers and sisters, let us us pray that God will help us to slam the lid on wickedness, shuttling her away from God's people and keeping in step with the Spirit as He sanctifies His temple, our lives, our homes. As the Holy Spirit tells us so clearly, and and one of these verses was on display when we walked in, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And Titus 2 continues in verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Amen.